0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. So how many people have graduated from the School of Hard Knocks? Raise your hand. (laughs) Well, I got the, I got, you know what a magna cum laude is? I'm magna cum laude from the School of Hard Knocks. And that's and that is serious. Um, so, I, I've I got this message. This is like the ninth version of this message that I came up with this week. Uh, and I thought, you know, I thought I had it, and then I got it this morning and thought, I don't really like this message. So, I'm, but I, I I didn't have no energy to do t- the tenth version. So, he's going to go the ninth version. But I do think it's. The heart of the Lord, even though, like I said before, don't ignore the messenger and get the message. You know, it's about Gilgal in the book of Joshua, and probably a lot of people are familiar with Gilgal. You're familiar with Gilgal if you're a believer, whether you know it or not, uh, because every believer has to has to pass through Gilgal, or have passed through Gilgal. Um, so... So it means a lot of things. This is just a little bit of a different take on it uh, because this has been real meaningful to me in my life because of the school of hard knocks. But first, I really wanted to tell you this before I shared that. I was reading this morning in in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, verse 13 talks about us being brought near by the blood of Jesus. That's a really important verse in the Bible um, because that's what's really happened. We don't have to try to get near to God. A lot of believers don't... A lot of people don't know that or think that because we're near already because of the blood. The problem we have is we don't always feel near, right? (laughs) And so here's... Let me just give you a little bit of comfort about that. The reason we don't feel near is not necessarily because we're sinners, because really we're not sinners. We might be saints that sin, right? But we're children and sons and daughters who commit sins, But we're not sinners by identity and and even by nature. By nature, we're we're God's sons and daughters. Um, So, but faith is important. So God allows us not to feel near, so we can learn how to operate in faith. Now that's really the truth, and because the Bible tells us that faith is needed in this life, faith is needed as a believer. We have to have faith to lay hold of everything that God has for us. That's how it comes to us, is through faith. So when you don't feel near, don't get in a panic. Don't feel like you did something wrong necessarily. If you did do something wrong, you can say, Lord, I messed up. You know, I'm sorry. You know, and the Lord's good, you know, because of the blood. If we're, tr- if we're trusting the blood, we're going to be okay. So uh, one of the other... Definitions of that word in the original Greek language is, you know, is brought near. Near, another word is in. He has brought us in. Okay? He has brought us in. Into what? Into his kingdom, into his family. Because he says that a few verses later, that we are citizens of the kingdom and members of his household. Very uh, Ephesians two seventeen I think four verses later he really kind of I want you to get that I want all of us to get that I want us to remember that in our in our worst moments that we're citizens we belong we we belong to Him we are part of His household and we are loved and we are dear to Him and we are there and you know, He is just as much there when we feel it and then when we don't feel it. He really is. And so when you don't feel it, use your faith. Trust what the Word of God says, not what your feelings say, what, what your emotions say. Tr- trust that, okay? And we need Because we need to be people of the Word, right? We need to trust the Word of the Lord. And we need to be people of the Spirit. Trust the leading of the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit and allow the Word of God to be our, like our, our, our guide there our, that gives us information on how to walk in the Spirit... We're going to be good. We're going to, we're going to walk right into our destiny in Christ. So I wanted to share that little tidbit. Anyways, yes, the Lord's good, man. So here's, let me read this verse 19. Back to Gilgal, okay? Because it's such an important part of our life as believers. And, and this is the area in my life where I feel like I have made the worst mistakes is around this issue of Gilgal. Okay, I look back on my life as a believer. Some of the worst things I have done, some of the biggest mistakes I've made is because I really didn't get what God was trying to do in my life. And, it, and being presumptuous and being as, assumptuous, being immature, uh, You know, I, and I'm not talking about sinful mistakes. I'm talking about mistakes that were motivated by what God was doing in my life, except I took my hands on it. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit lead me into it. Are y'all following me? So it says in verse 19 of chapter 4. Remember last week. It doesn't matter if you remember or not. But last week I talked to you about crossing over the river of impossible. the, The Jordan River. The impossibilities of our life. And what the Jordan River represented. It says that the waters were cut back all the way back to Adam. And so... So those waters were crossed back, and of course, that's very symbolic of our old nature being cut off in Christ. When we receive Jesus, when we accept this sacrifice and believe that sacrifice, the old man, the old nature is cut off in Adam. The nature we inherited from Adam, that has been put to the cross, that has been dealt with. Yeah, the problem, right? The problem is, the, there's a problem with that. I, I remember when I first recognized that problem as a young believer. Why do I still want to sin? That was my thought. I thought, I thought sin had been done, done away with. And then I realized sin has not been done away with. My sinful nature, but I still have my flesh. Right? Your flesh is different from your sinful nature. Your flesh is your body. And it has memories. It has feelings. It's in contact with this world. There's a devil and all that's at work with on our flesh trying to get us to go back and live the way we lived before Christ. And think that way. It's, it's really the truth. So there's where the problem is. And that's where Gilgal comes into play, you know, in the big picture. Are you all following this this morning? Yeah. So, so, just like they crossed over the river, uh, Jordan, into the land of promises, their land of promises, we, all of us, have crossed over our spiritual Jordan at the cross. We are in our, we are in our land of promises. We're not in the promised land. We're in a land of promises. Are you following me? It's a little bit different. We're not talking about something physical necessary, although it can be physical. We're talking about something spiritual. It's a land of promises. Okay? The kingdom of God is a land of promises. Life in Christ is a land of promises. God, all his promises are what? Yes and amen in in Jesus, in Christ. So we've crossed over into that place. We have... uh, Colossians says it like this, we have been transferred, okay, from the kingdom of darkness. I like to call it the empire of darkness, because that's really what it is. It's not a kingdom, it's an empire, okay? We've been transferred from that place into the kingdom of the son of of his love. That's how Colossians said. So we're actually there. We've crossed over. Everything's cool. Everything's going to work out. But everything's not cool and everything don't feel like it's working out always. In fact, it seems the opposite at times. It feels, you know, sometimes it can even feel worse. At least before Christ, you didn't feel you didn't feel bothered by doing bad stuff. You liked doing bad stuff. You enjoyed it. Now you enjoy it for a minute, right? Because the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. So you can see it and it feels good at that moment. Then later you feel terrible about it. Like, God, why did I do that? What an idiot. You know, and then you go to the Lord and you plead and beg with him. He says, like, you don't have to plead and beg, but it's good for you to say to the Lord, I've messed up. And I need the blood to cleanse my heart from a evil conscience.' That's what it does. It gets the evil conscience worked out. That's what the blood does for the believer. That's what it says in Hebrews 6. I think it's 6. The blood cleanses our heart from an evil conscience, a conscience that's condemning us, a conscience that's judging us. So when you feel all of that, that's what you do. You appeal to the blood. Lord, I need your blood to get, my, get this evil conscience off of me. It's really, and it really, the blood has power, man. So here's what happens a lot of times in our Christian life is we have a breakthrough, Yeah, and I believe we're fixing to enter into a season of breakthroughs for people. We have encounters. I think we're fixing to go into a season where people are going to... Listen, I'm telling y'all, we're coming into a time where more and more people are going to have these dynamic encounters with the Lord. I I don't know what it's going to be. Those encounters are most of the time very personal and meaningful to people. You know, for wherever they're at, there's not, not, not a necessarily a general. I, I want to get to the place where we're having this corporate encounter. Where God walks into the room where everybody in the room, like, is smack down caught up into this encounter with the Lord. I'm, I'm appealing for that. I'm living for that. That's the goal. You know? Because that's what changes people. I've said this many times. Is is everything that's meaningful in my life, everything that's been good for my in my life, has come out of some kind of encounter with the Lord, yeah. some kind of personal experience. Well, of course, salvation's an encounter, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the beginning point. I mean, that's an encounter, but there's all, but there's many encounters. So, so the point is, we have these amazing moments with the Lord that are beautiful, and they're they can define our life. They are fact. Some people call them defining moments, which is a is. A, In fact, I have a book on my bookshelf. I read it a couple years ago called Defining Moments. I forget who wrote it, but it's a beautiful book about this very thing, about when God does something in your life, it can really define, help you find who you are, help you see yourself right, help you see your life in the direction you're supposed to go in. That's the beauty of it. So, um, so we have this. Or maybe just this, is like a significant pr- prophetic word over your life. Has anybody ever had a word over their life and you knew, oh, my gosh, this was God talking to me. Because only God w- knows this about me. And only God, this person doesn't know anything. And it speaks to you on a deep level, a very profound level. And then, then, this is the great thing. Then what happens? Nothing. That, that's what happens. So I have just put you in what happened to the children of Israel. They saw this mighty miracle. They saw the ark, which was the presence of God, step down into these waters that were literally whitecaps, rushing water, rushing to the Dead Sea, rushing to death. And they saw the ark step down. And when it did, they saw these waters pile up. like It says it piled all the way back to this place called Adam. And it cut them off, and they were able to walk across the Jordan. That and, and Joshua said, "The Lord's going to do a miracle; He's going to show you a miracle." And they, He did. And so they get, they get. I mean, put yourself in their place. They get across the Jordan, like, "We're ready now; we're taking this land." And then the Lord has another plan. Y'all need to just camp out for a while. There's a. There's a time to walk across the Jordan and once you get across, once you your miracle I'm not saying this happens all the time, but I am saying this will happen in your Christian life if you follow the Lord very long, where there's gonna be this divine pause that's gonna come in your life. And and let me just say this that pause can be very painful. I mean very painful, but it's very necessary. Because we, what happens at Gilgal must happen with us inwardly if we're going to have what God wants for us. If we barrel ahead, it's a mistake. It's a mistake when God touches you profoundly and you're going to barrel ahead without waiting on to hear some new instructions from Him. Are you all with me? I'm telling you, uh, it's in the Bible, and it's in my life. I can, I can give you m- multiple mistakes, and some of them hurt me bad, real bad. Some of them hurt my family bad, and some of them have hurt this church really bad. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And it was all because I felt like I had this encounter with the Lord. I felt like I knew what the next steps were, and I went after them. Without really, and really, and truthfully, there was this little teeny, tiny, tiny, teeny voice inside of me saying, don't do it. And there was this other voice of God that I live with. Are you sure this is the Lord? I'm not sure about this. Oh, no, you Becky, you you know it's the Lord. Becky, I can give you evidence. I have evidence. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's this divine pause, and there's this biblical pattern, okay? Here's a few of them. Here's three of them I picked out of the Bible, just to give you some Bible. One was, was uh, the Lord said to Abram. He wasn't Abraham yet. Abr- Abram. Hey, Abram was a Chaldean. Abram didn't worship Jehovah. Abram, Abram probably never heard of Jehovah he probably didn't know anything about Jehovah if he heard anything about him he probably I don't believe, that, believe in that God I have other gods and suddenly so one day this, this God Jehovah reveals himself to Abram and says Abram this is what you got to do with your life you got to get up and you got to leave your home you got to leave your family and you got to go to this place I have for you and so what did he do he got up he left his family. Well, he. you know what? He didn't leave his family. He took his daddy with him. You find that out in Acts 7. I think it's Acts 7. Yeah, it is Acts 7. When Stephen was being martyred, he went through. Man, if you want a good, concise history, read Acts 7. It's a very concise There's stuff in Acts 7 that's not I couldn't find in the Old Testament. One of them was that he came to this place and buried his dad. He took his dad with him when the Lord said, leave your dad. And you know what happened there? Nothing. There was a period of time after he left, zero happened. And I think one of the reasons zero happened, he didn't do what the Lord told him to do fully. He took his dad with him. I get it. I took my daddy too. You know, he took lot with him. And that got him in big trouble. He had to go fight a war over that. You know? So... You know, sometimes we think we're doing good. We're going to do best for our family. And the Lord's saying, but that's not best for your family. Well, I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord because I'm not going to go there. Another one, this is one that I love to death. Is And Amy mentioned it up here about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Following his resurrection, what did Jesus do? Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples. Now, you're talking about an encounter. You spent 40 days with this guy who's dead, who came back to life, walking through walls. I mean, crazy stuff. That was just one of the crazy things that happened. I'm sure there was all kinds of wild stuff that was going on for 40 days. But you know what Jesus said? You know what he told him? You need to wait. You go to Jerusalem and you wait there until you're clothed with power on high. I'm putting myself in their shoes like I've been following Jesus for three years. I've talked to him for 40 days after he was dead and now he's been raised. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to do what he's told me to do. Why I gotta wait some more. Are y'all following me? And see, that's our natural inc- I was what I'd have done, he would have had to grab me by the coat tail, like, uh-uh, you're gonna be set down. You know, I've wondered about this. In Acts chapter 1, you know, when they, uh, where it talks about after Jesus was resurrected, you know, he went up to heaven on a cloud, all that, and then they were stuck there and then waiting on him, doing what he told them to do, and they go and elect a new apostle to take Judas' Judas's place. You ever thought about that? Like, why did y'all do that? Who told you to do that? Y'all cast lots for that. That's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. He said, wait, he didn't say replace. I've wondered about it. Now, maybe he did on the side and didn't write, nobody wrote it down. But I think it's interesting they replaced those guys and then you never hear another word about them, period. Like, yeah. duh, they'd have disappeared off the book of Acts. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out on them. They had received the Holy Spirit because Jesus breathed them into them. But they hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They hadn't been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do a, to do jack. You know? And that's why what Amy was saying, it's a time to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's time to get filled with the Holy Spirit again. Christian people should be asking the Lord when you get up in the morning, Lord, I need to get a fresh feeling of the Holy Ghost to get through this day, to have power to get through this day, have power to think right. Yeah, really is true. Hey, I was telling somebody this morning about capt- taking every thought captive. Anybody, you know, this is how the Lord taught me to t- take thoughts captive. Because I have some bad thoughts. You know, I really do. I have some thoughts I wouldn't tell you all about. Because you all would probably just like throw me out. You know? And I think you do too, but I, you just won't admit it. Okay? But this is what the Lord told me to do. Every time you have a thought that's starting to come into your mind. You see, bad thoughts, let me just say this. They don't, necessarily, they don't necessarily originate with you. It can be the atmosphere. It can be the world, the flesh, the devil. There's stuff floating just like there's radio waves and TV waves. They're flying through. They come through your little head. You know what I'm talking about, them bad thoughts? Well, the Lord told me to say this to myself. Hey, you don't have to think that thought, do you? I say that to myself when it begins. Hey, Byron, you don't have to think that thought, do you? And I'm like, of course not. I don't have to. That's taking that thought captive. I grab that thought. I'm not thinking that thought because I don't have to think it. You get to choose what you think. That's really the truth of the Scripture. And if you begin to capture them, you know, that's the way I do it. You come up with whatever works for you, how to address those thoughts. That's how I do it, and it really helps. And every time I do that, if I don't do that, the thought gets going in there, and this is what the truth is about. I'm, and i got to get off this thought thing. I don't know why I'm on this. but every thought, Every thought that comes to you, there is a family of thoughts waiting. And if you let that thought in there, guess what? The whole family moves in. Yeah. They move into your thinking, and suddenly you're thinking some bad stuff. You're thinking like the world. You're thinking like demonic stuff. All this stuff. So, you know the old saying, you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can stop them from nesting in your head. And that's really the truth, y'all. So anyway, forget it. Never mind, don't forget it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so here's the other one. Gosh, I'm spending too much time on this. I'm going to finish this. The, listen, the Apostle Paul, i got to give you this example of a person who didn't wait. When he got saved, you know, he was, going, he was going to Damascus. He had been given authority to go to Damascus, this is before he got saved, and arrest Christians because he hated Christians because he thought they were against the Lord. The, the God that he knew Christians were against them. So he's on the road to Damascus. This is in Acts chapter 9. And he gets this encounter where the Lord speaks to him. Y'all know the story. And it knocks him down to the ground and blinds him. <laughs> think about that, y'all. Does that mess with your theology? Jesus is good. He would never do it. But he blinded Paul. <laughs> like, uh, what kind of God's blinding people now? You know, what kind of God y'all serve? Oh, uh, we serve a God that will blind your hide. <laughs> you better be careful. You think you see he's going to blind your hide. <laughs> Well, it was a sweet blindness. And so they had to lead, the people with Paul had to lead Paul to Damascus. And this guy came reluctantly. The Lord spoke to this guy, said, hey, you need to go pray for him. Well, I ain't praying for him. Uh-uh, no, we already know about it. He's gonna. He's a bad guy. He's not a good guy. Go because he's, you know, blah, blah. He's awesome in my eyes. So he goes and prays, and he gets his eyes back. Well, guess what Paul does? Immediately it says he starts preaching in Damascus, causing an uproar. They had to sneak him out of the city at night, luring him down in a basket. That's what they had to do. And then guess what he does? He goes to Jerusalem, okay, and then he starts stirring up trouble in Jerusalem. He's stirring up trouble because he's out preaching to these people, and, and he, had this, he had this anointing, he had this authority on him. But guess what it says? The brothers saw what he was doing. It says that. Don't tell which brother. They didn't want to, you know. The brothers saw what he was doing and took him and sent his hide off to Arabia. (laughs) They run him out of town, basically. And you know what it says next? You can read this. It says, then the church had peace. (laughs) Because Paul the apostle was not in time with God. He didn't wait. And then he went to Arabia for X number of years. There's different views on it. But it wasn't a couple days. It was a few years. Because he had to go to his Gilgal in a sense. He had to go to this place and let the Lord begin to work on him. And do what God had to do inwardly in him. Despite his revelation. And despite the insights that that he immediately had. In the scriptures, in his understanding of the cross and all that, despite all that, he wasn't ready, and nobody was ready for him. And then, yeah, and then he shows up a few years later. In Acts twelve, uh, the Lord there was a move of the Lord in Acts twelve. At this church called Antioch, a very powerful church. He shows up there. Barnabas go, Barnabas is at this church, and Barnabas goes and gets him and brings him. And he begins to function a little bit in Acts 12. Not speaking, but serving. Serving the church. Serving what the leaders in Jerusalem were saying to do. Taking an offering. Nothing grand. Then the next thing you hear about him is in Acts 13. Him and Barnabas go on their first missionary journey. Because at that point, he was ready. And then his, you know, you can go from there. He became, like, the greatest guy, right? The greatest guy. Thirteen books, thirteen letters written. I mean, like, you know, there's an argument made, like, there's Jesus, and then there's Paul. He's number. He's the second guy behind me just in terms of this anointing and effectiveness that he had. Are y'all with me? Yeah. So... Gilgal represents a pause before the victory, but for a moment it's a painful pause. Now this is, Gilgal is a place of letting go, it's a place of humility, it's a place of surrender, it's a place of renewed devotion and commitment, and it's a place of healing. Because it's a place where God cuts on you, in heart wise. Uh, There's a word in the scripture that I think, Kind of goes along with Gilgamesh it's called Selah. Y'all know what Selah is? It's, it's found seventy-four times in the Old Testament, seventy-one times in Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk, and it's and it's like this. When you read it's like a pause. and you know, some people think you're supposed to say it out loud, some people not, but it is a pause because God has built in pauses. That's the Hebrew would tell you. God has built in a pause in our life. There's and and so that's how one of the ways they wanted us to see that. They wanted to see us see it by reading, you know, you're reading along a verse and then it says sealer. That means stop, pause, reflect, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You know, and in our life there's these moments where, like with them, God is going to hit the pause button on us. And it's hard, it's a hard place to be. And like I said earlier, that's where I a lot of most of my bad choices and decisions. And my life as a believer came from not allowing that pause, pushing beyond it. Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I'm God. It's an important thing for us, okay? And because and here's another thought about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah had a major promise from the Lord. A major promise. But they didn't wait. They didn't pause and let the Lord do what he wanted. And guess what they did? They created an Ishmael that the world suffers with to this day. They created a conflict in the world. They created a a division in the world because they simply would not wait, even though they had this amazing, profound promise over their life. And I've seen it over and over. Uh, There's this guy I know. Uh, He's this amazing guy. He has a tremendous call on his life, a tremendous call to be a pastor. He's a a shepherding kind of guy. He's got it in. It just oozes out of him. And so I was going to help him one time. like I'm going to help him get into it. But I had this dream. This is what the dream was. The dream was this. Me and this guy went like, hey, man, I got this. I'm going to set you up to pastor this church. Okay, so I took him to the church. We were in the church, and he was not paying attention to anything going on there. The only thing he was paying attention to was the kids' ministry. I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Does he want to be a children's pastor? And uh, so that was the dream. I said, Lord, what does that mean? And the Lord said, he's not ready because of his children. That's what he told me. And basically telling me, leave him alone. Let you know his children need him more than the church needs him. You see, that's that's see this guy's in a pause to this day. He's in a pause. I wanted to tell him. The Lord said, no, don't tell him because he won't receive it right now. But maybe one day he will. Okay. Well, that's just a, an example. Can I read verse nine? Gosh, y'all, I'm gonna have to stop here in a minute. But so, anyways, it's all good. Okay, number two, Gilgal, listen, is the, and this is what I think Gilgal is the wheel that rolls us into our spiritual inheritance because the word Gilgal actually means rolling. So you can either be stuck somewhere with a flat tire in the Lord or you can allow Gilgal to work in your life. Listen to verse nine. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. And so for them, it was where God rolled away Egypt off of them. He got the reproach. He got the shame. He got the disgrace. He got what Egypt gave them. He got what their mom and daddy gave them that wasn't good. He rolled it off of them. Okay? That's, that's what happens. That's, and, and, and Gilgal was not a one-time event in the book of Joshua by the way it became their base of operation and ti- and there were several times in the book of Joshua they would go back to Gilgal oh. meaning in your life there's this is not a one time event there's just going to be time there's going to be different times in your life where God deals with you about different things in different seasons don't you wish when you got saved everything was dealt with yeah. everything was instantly fixed but it's not like that, y'all. Because God wants us to be able to trust Him over our entire life and allow Him to work in our hearts. You know, so there's things I, We have seen people go to counseling where the counselor went into a place in their heart that God was not going and they were it ruined them. Because something was opened up on the person that the Holy Spirit didn't open up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you know, if we're going to take this journey inwardly, we need to be following the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's really you have to be really careful about it. And not to go somewhere where he's not going, especially when you're messing with your heart. Because your heart is everything. Yeah, we had this one person. She was amazing. It ruined her. It ruined her. It just ruined her because she was, didn't have the grace to deal with the brokenness that was deep down inside of her she did not have the grace and this counselor went went after it well, the counselor wasn't a Christian that was one of the problems but anyways that's another point because you could have a Christian counselor that wasn't great neither but I ain't saying anything I wanted to read this one verse to you because it kind of sums up it, everybody knows this are y'all are y'all engaging in this yeah it says, those, this is Isaiah forty thirty one. yet those who wait for the Lord. That's a big deal. You know what that word wait, one of the pictures in the Hebrew is? You ever seen a vine that wraps itself around a tree? That's one of the pictures. The other one is, what are those things that girls have on their hair when they plait their hair together? Is it Braids. Braids. Like pigtails. You know when girls have pigtails? Y'all know what pigtails? Do y'all know about pigtails? Well, you know how the hair is braided together? That's another picture. Those who weigh. It's not something passive. Hey, just in case, I want to tell you this. This is interesting. Okay? I mean, it's about pigtails. (laughs) I'm serious. I did not know it was about pigtails. But in Japan, listen to this. In Japan, they will not let girls in schools wear pigtails. You know why they won't? Because the boys would see their neck and they think, and, and, and the boys would think it was sexy. Therefore, they don't want to rouse the boys, so they won't let them wear pigtails. That's the truth about Japan, y'all. I just recently read that. Just, you know, fat, being fascinated with other cultures, you run across some things like that. I'm thinking, are you serious, man? Those, those Japanese boys might need some help. You know, if, if if wearing pigtails gets them all messed in a stir, you know. But literally it's just, that's really the truth about that culture. I want to go to Japan one day, not because of that, but <laughs> but because it's a fact to me that culture is that culture really is amazing to me. Isaiah forty verse yet those who wait wrap themselves like a vine, braid themselves to the Lord, for the Lord will for the Lord will gain you strength okay, who wait for the Lord will gain you strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles and they will run and not get tired and they will walk and not become weary. Waiting on the Lord is the best, the, is the biblical and best thing we can do after experiencing a major breakthrough in our life or a powerful encounter or a significant prophetic word or even a major event in the natural of our life. The best thing, and listen y'all, listen to me. The best thing you can do is don't jump to conclusions. Don't assume. Don't start writing your future just yet. Write your future like this. I'm going to wait before the Lord. I'm going to wrap myself around the Lord. I'm going to wait for the Lord to start speaking to me. I'm going to let Him give me some directions. And I'm telling you this, from, like I said, from the school of hard knocks. And from the disappointment and brokenness I brought in my life. And I have seen believers after believer after believer get discouraged in their life. Because it didn't work out like they thought. And sometimes, not all the time, it was because they didn't, they didn't allow that pause in their life. Sometimes, not always. Okay, I'm going to finish this. Okay, I'm going to read one more verse, or two more verses, back to two and three. Just because I think it's good to read it. The essence of Gilgal lies in eliminating the devil's foothold in our life. That's why God does a pause. Because, listen to this. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua 5, verse 2, Make for yourself flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Because their parents had been circumcised. All the males had. But these were the offspring because all of them died. They died off. So this whole new generation was not circumcised and so the Lord made Joshua do it now I don't know this is just a side thought I've thought about this if I was Joshua I would have been very upset with the Lord that day like wait a minute Lord you called me to be a leader and I've got to go and one I don't even want to look at these men's private parts much less touch them and now I've got to do this forget I'm not doing this business this is not leadership Lord why don't you have a nurse come in and do it I mean, you know, here's the point. Sometimes God's going to have you doing stuff that you feel like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding me, Lord? I'm going to circumcise all these men because there were only two circumcised men there, Joshua and Caleb. And so I imagine he drugged Caleb in there, and I'm sure Caleb came in kicking and screaming. Like, the Lord didn't tell me that, Joshua. You are not dragging me into your thing. Go do it. I'll walk them out of the tent and help them lay down. Now, I don't really know for sure Joshua did every one of them, but I don't know who else was going to do it, you know, because once a guy was done, he was done for a couple. He was going to lay down for a few days. And that was the painful pause speaking to us about how God, see, see, they had, listen, let me just finish this. These people had this amazing experience with the Lord. That The Lord had met them. The Lord had rained manna down on them. The Lord had manifested Himself to them. I mean, they seen the Lord move over and over in their life. But they still needed something. They needed something in them. They they needed God to work on their hearts or they would never enter in. Because when God... See, working on our heart makes us the real us. It makes us bear to be the real us that doesn't happen in a day that happens over a long period of time but you will never be successful in what god's called you to be until you learn how to be you and be settled in who you are and go after what god's put in you that's when your true success in the lord's going to happen it's not going to you're not going to be successful bowing down to everybody else in the world's agenda bowing to the world's agenda trying to fit in trying to be a chameleon and what this person's theology, forget all that. Find out what God's saying to you and be you. Listen to this one last verse. You know, you've heard the old saying, they were out of Egypt, but the, which was the world. They were out of the world, but the world was not out of them. Yeah. See, that was the problem. We get saved. That old nature's cut off but there's still a lot of worldly thinking in us. There's still a lot of not good thinking in us. For some of us, we have these demons still attached to us, talking to us. And so what Gilgal does, it begins to work on those things and deal with those things and cut those things away. Little by little, now they cut them away, cut them away to rid us of those things. To get to the real man, to get to the real woman that's inside of us. Here is what they said about Jesus, or Je- Jesus said about himself, and then we'll stop because we got these prophetic ministry, y'all. Th- these people are amazing that give these words; they really give some really accurate stuff. So, I would encourage you if you, you'd like to get a word and you already need a word, they're really accurate. But Jesus, what this, Jesus said in John fourteen, John fourteen, he's headed to the cross. In John fourteen, with, within hours Jesus Christ will be in a grave dead. So this is sort of important stuff he's saying. He said, "I will no longer talk much with you," meaning I'm fixing to die, y'all. So I ain't going to really talk much with you, Mona. For the rule of this world's coming, the killer's coming. He's going to come and kill me. He knew it. Jesus called him out, y'all. Jesus was not a victim. He he challenged the devil. Come get me if you want me. It was a trap, right? The greatest trap in history. The devil tricked the devil. That Jesus tricked the devil into killing him, thinking he was going to eliminate him. And what it did, it brought around the whole redemption plan. The devil fell into Jesus. The devil's an idiot when it comes to stuff. Jesus is way smarter than him. And this mystery, the Bible says, was hidden from the foundation of the world, it was hidden and, and nobody could figure it out because God hid it. But in Christ, He's revealed it. That's the wisdom, one of the greatest wisdoms of God. I, I love that. Over the world, for He has nothing in me. Nothing. He has no ground in me. No ground. There's nothing in me that He can claim. You see, lots of times after we're saved, been walking with the Lord for years. There's areas in our life where the devil can claim, well, that guy really has a temper. Or that guy really has a lust problem. He's a sincere man. He's a great man, but he's got this, this place in him. I need, to, I need to bring him into a place and deal with that heart and get to, help him get rid of that. Y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to say, don't mess up like I've messed up. It's not worth it when God sends people to you that question what you're doing, sometimes it's it's, it's skeptics, it's naysayers, but sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, you know, saying, are you sure about this? I mean, gosh, y'all. I had friends telling me, Byron, are you sure? I wish I'd have listened to them because once I walked into where I was going, it didn't turn out well for me. It hurt me. You know, and sometimes we're so anxious to grab hold of our inheritance in Christ and grab hold of our call and whatever it might be, and then we bulldog our way in there, and it hurts us. And we get messed up over it. But if we give the Lord a chance, he'll speak to us. If we will give him a chance, he will do what he does. He will begin to speak to you. And bring a peace and bring, you know, the Bible says we shall be led forth with peace and go out with joy. Right? That's how we should go. Don't ever defile that little thing inside of y'all. That little voice. Never, ever disobey it. Ever. Because if you do, you will pay a price for it. It will, it will hurt you. There's consequences. And those consequences are not God punishing you. Those are just consequences of actions. Because God doesn't, he think I'm going to beat a fire to you over doing it. No, he just says, that will hurt you to do that. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.